This is Queen speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work, to money, to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Hey, Sid. Hey, Brian. What's happening? <laughs> so much is happening. Um, should I start with my update? I think so. All right. So um, this is probably not news to most people, and I respect that. But And it's not news to me, but I think every few months I forget about this entirely, and then I just go on a bender for food and come out of it a little bit more clear-headed always. So I'm just realizing how much what I eat impacts like my overall mood. And I don't want to go so far as to say like my mental health, but it definitely has an impact on like the way I process. And so I love food. I can usually find a balance. Like I do salads or like greens of some kind on most days, but like for the past probably week or so, I think because I was at a conference, I was in Boston, so I had like really phenomenal food there. And then I think coming into the following week, I was just kind of on a roll. And so like French fries, burgers. Delish. Just all the things that I love. Cheese plates, wine. Like I was having all of my favorite things like breakfast sandwiches, bagels, like really good stuff. Um, when usually like I have a pretty regimented like food schedule and then like weekends are usually the time that I like let loose a little bit. But the other day I was, I felt the need to go to the gym, which is a a red flag for me because usually it's just part of my routine, not something that I'm like, I need to go to the gym and like work this off. Um, so I, I felt like I really needed to go. And while I was there, I was just like all in my head. I just felt like I was really uncomfortable in my clothes. And like, I hadn't visibly gained weight, but I could feel the food that I was eating, like impacting the way I was feeling. And it's like a snowball effect. It is. And I think like when I, when I drink a green juice or when I have a really nice big salad, the feeling that I have, I always attribute it to be like, look at how healthy I am. Like, check me out. But I think it's really like a mental reaction. It actually (laughs) makes me feel better. It makes me feel like whole and, and healthy and, um, energized. Like the right food makes me feel energized. And I guess like when I was eating all that other food, it was really good, but like I felt super lethargic. And when I, again, when I was at the gym, I was just like, oh, like it's like the movie Super Size Me when he just is like, I literally feel like a giant pile of human garbage after eating McDonald's for like a month straight. 30 days for every (laughs) meal. Yeah. And like, thankfully I didn't let it go that far, (laughs) but I think when, and I read this article at one point that was about like going on vacation, enjoying your vacation and not letting your regular whatever kind of impact your good time. And I, I still believe that to be true, but I think when I'm at home, I can, and I'm not on vacation a lot, you know, like, and when I go on vacation, it's for about a week, not like two to three weeks. And so when I get on that train of like bad food doesn't impact anything but my waistline, um, that way of thinking is just not true. And I think like I had another reminder of that. And again, this happens like probably every three months or so when I'm like, you know what? Screw salads. Like I'm just going to have the burger. I've been doing so well. Eating a burger is going to make me feel great. And then you eat it and you're like, oh my gosh, my insides are tearing up. Upset. So I can totally vouch for this. And like just a fun fact, like you're saying how this is 
you know, a surprise to you and that everybody should know. I think this is a thing that happens when you start to get older that now, like, I look back and I'm like, why does mom always eat salads for dinner while we're eating burgers and, like, spaghetti and whatever and, like, all the foods that we would eat as kids that had no impact? Yeah. It's because... If you don't eat vegetables and delicious proteins or whatever for every meal when you're an adult, you want to just cry and you're tired and feel like garbage and bloated. Yeah. And so the trip that I was just on, we ate just, it was pretty much just an endless like cheese, processed food, like restaurant food. So like high sodium, everything. And like definitely overindulged a lot but looked very good it was amazing instagram heaven (laughs) but instantly it was like an instant trigger of oh my gosh i'm so bloated and like feet like my i just feel awful inside right and like that's not really a fun place to be no it's so i think that recognizing this is actually something that's really important and the fact that you're like hey, this is what makes me feel good, so I'm going to eat the things that make me feel good. And maybe just, like, super small cheats and and treats for yourself. Yeah, and I think what really pushed me over the edge was, like, we were out, um, we've been making Seneca Lake more of a trip because it's super close, like, either going to Geneva or down to Watkins Glen. And um, we, I'd had a bagel for breakfast, which, like, on the weekends is no big shakes and had some blueberries. And then... um, for lunch, I had like a pretty hearty, meaty sandwich, and I knew that we were having fried chicken for dinner. And so I think my head started to mess with me a little bit too. That was like, you really didn't need both the big meaty sandwich and then later the fried chicken. And like where we went for lunch had like a veggie bowl option in my mind. And I have had like, I've have a history with like really being a little bit too conscious of my eating habits and like getting a little too in the weeds on it. Um, and so I could feel that coming back and that only usually happens when I get really anxious about like having a lot of bad food. And, and ha- the bad food's probably making you feel anxious because like processed food will affect your body in weird ways. And it's and it was, and it, what pissed me off is I was like, this is delicious food, but I just continue to feel bad about it. And that's like obviously a whole nother issue that I need to work on. But I think like figuring out the balance as well, like, I love fried chicken. I will eat fried chicken all the time if I could, now even knowing that (laughs) it affects my mood negatively. But it's not that I would ever cut myself off from it, but that balance of like, okay, you know you're having fried chicken for dinner, so maybe like start your day with a smoothie or have a salad for lunch knowing that you're going into that. And just like the peace of mind that I feel by knowing that not even something super healthy, but just something clean and like knowing exactly what's in it, packing it myself, whatever it has to be to know that like I'm walking into like fried chicken heaven will be amazing. So I think just that balance is what I need to remember and and get back to. Savor it and portion control. Exactly. I I tend to get into the, uh, I'm never going to have this again. And then I eat too much and then I feel terrible. And then I feel terrible. And then next, the next week someone's like, Hey, do you want to go get that specific type of food? And I'm like, see, was gonna have it again anyway <laughs> so that's where i'm at i'm gonna get back on like the i think again like not even i don't diet but i generally keep track of what i'm eating throughout like, the week and i think it's important to eat things that make you feel good right and and i just need to remember that and not uh 
not lose sight of that feel again. So that's that's where I'm at. That's good. Thank you. What about you? What's going on? So I'm back from vacay. Yay. Um, I took some tips from our travel episode that we talked about um, because I need a taste of my own medicine, apparently. Always. <laughs> the I will the advice that. that I gave, I had to like think about for myself. And fully implement. Yeah. Yes. And so um, I'm feeling really good because I actively chose not to respond to a couple th- things that came through my inbox that seemed important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, in the process, I actively reminded myself that I was out of the office. I was, I'm not working. Right. And it was during weekdays. So like, you know, you're, you're going to get the email. You're going to get the email. It was you know, Thursday and Friday. So people are going to reach out to you thinking you're around. And also, like, people reach out to you at, like, midnight thinking you're around. No, I'm not available. <laughs> Unhealthy. But just because someone reached out to me with a question or a concern does not mean that it is an emergency. Or And the question that was being posed was not urgent. And so f- for a second, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm stressed out. I need to handle this immediately. And I was like, no, no you're on vacation, Mm -hmm. this can wait till Monday. And I handled it on Monday. See? And doesn't that feel so good? Like that, not ignoring it, but like you you need to respect your out of office just as much as you want other people to. Yeah. And I think that's the piece that we always miss is that we don't do that. That's the thing though, is that people don't know that when they reach out to you. Right. So until they get that back or like in the case of social media, like you don't have an Instagram, like, out of office, out of office yeah. thing that's going to pop up when someone sends you a message. Right. <laughs> like, I'll get to, to you later. And that's okay. And I think, like, we all need to learn how to slow down a little bit anyway. Mm-hmm. And usually, like, for, for us in my office, there's usually another, like, there's a go-to person. Like, if it's really that urgent, then, like, reach out to this person. Yeah. And if you don't have that, again, I think a lot of people have people's cell phones at this point. So if you really needed me, then... That's the thing. It's like, if it's a true urgency, you've got my cell phone. You Someone will get... be able to find you. Yeah. Bottom line. But so I'm glad was... that you drew the line and stuck by it. Exactly. I was proud of myself for that. Nice work. And it was a great vacation. It was. Awesome. Although I'm definitely on the salad train just like you are. Yeah. Bread, cheese, drinks. No more. All of it. <laughs> so good, though. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. I did. Okay. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> I had the most delicious short rib ravioli and I cried. It was so good. I saw that I and I was like, cried. Brianna doesn't generally exaggerate. So I wonder if she actually cried. You cried. Yeah, I, like a tear of just pure food joy. Oh, wow. I've literally, glorious. I've had some great food in my day. Never had that happen. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I think it might happen when you've had a pitcher of cocktails. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you didn't tell, you didn't, you left that out conveniently. <laughs> but it was also like handmade pasta. We talked to the guy who made it. Like mm. it was, it was really intense. And she, then I ate yeah. it and I was like, oh, it's like, this is amazing. There's a lot of good stuff happening with the short rib ravioli. So, so good. I'm, I'm excited for you. I have to get your list the next or the first time I ever go to Cincinnati. I got one. We're good. (laughs) Yay. All right. What's uh, inspiring you this week? So I think we all have seen by now, hopefully, the Beyonce piece in Vogue. It was just slightly groundbreaking. I mean, heads have rolled. The quote, like all the pulled quotes, the whole, like the whole thing in and of itself was just magic. And I was so 
so excited to see it. I heard the rumors about like full creative control. She was able to provide an opportunity for the first black photographer to shoot a Vogue cover, which still actually blows my mind. But on top of that, he was 23. So like there was a lot happening there. And so you're really excited. I read the piece. It was phenomenal. But The thing that's inspiring me this week is that Vogue had followed up with 11 women in like the creative and activist and like print slash whatever communities um, to write a letter to their 20 something selves. And as groundbreaking as the Beyonce piece was, I love that Vogue did that follow up and they did it toward and, and provided the opportunity to people who have like very significant voices in the like larger, either political, again, like creative, whatever space. Um, but I, like they're more, they're closer to me than Beyonce ever will be. So like, I felt like I could like sit down and have a coffee with them. You're like, I might actually bump into you on the street. <laughs> exactly. Versus like, if I ever was able to go to a Beyonce concert, like she would be so far away from me. And this, these people might be in like, in my row somewhere. Yeah. Or at least a few rows ahead of me. And so I love that because they talked about things that were funny and serious, but like really made me think about like, and I'm still 20, like I'm 28. So I'm in my 20s still. You're going to be 29 in like a second. I love that you embrace the fact that you're 28 as long as you can. And I was like, (laughs) I'm 30 the second that like 2018 happened. Yeah, you were 30 the day after you turned 29. (laughs) I was 30 uh, when I was 15. (laughs) Yes, I fully embrace my age up until the day I turn a different age. All right. So I am fully 28. You're like, I got to live out my 28th year. I am fully living out my 28th year. So much more to accomplish before I turn 29. (laughs) But I was like, I'm still living in that world and I still will be there for another year. And so thinking about like what they talked about, how to embrace the person that you are and be kinder to yourself and like, like look at your body and like see how beautiful it is. And if you have things that you want to work on or change or accept, then how you do those things. But I thought that it was really smart and really powerful for Vogue to ask these women um, to talk about that. And we'll share that that article. But I thought, like, some of them were like, I, I wish I had dr- drank less wine. I'm like, cool. That's something that I've really never considered doing. But, like, I, the, my favorite was the body image ones that women talked about. And, and more than ha- half probably did. And they were talking about, like, how you look in the mirror and to love that person and, like, see who that person is and 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 take a really good look at them because like this person that you are will continue to change, but like that's okay. And um, to really embrace who they are and like get to know them and not just shame them for who they choose to be in that stage of life. And these women are all in their like thirties and up obviously. So um, I thought it was really powerful to say like, I wish I had been more accepting of who that person was both in physical and and emotional and mental. Um, And I just loved it. I thought it was so honest and so real. And like my love of my life. Brittany Packnett was one of the women who was featured and I just think everything she does is magic. So um, that is my inspiration this week. And now I'm going to go look in my mirror and just like love up on myself. Yeah. <laughs> you still got a few years left of your 20s. So a couple. <laughs> no, I've got one. <laughs> one. <laughs> like, is it two or three? No, it's one. Literally one and like a week. Not even a week. Yeah, you're right. By the time it's this comes out, I'll be four days. I'll it will. You 29. will already be 29. Wow. What? I'm not there yet. 
Still Live 28. It. Live it. At the Embrace recording it. of this episode. Ooh. We should do like a birthday recap. Yes. Um, What's yeah, yours? It's funny because what you shared is like exactly the same thing that I that it's like the parallel is there you know all about perspective on the same page so much of the time (laughs) but for real um so i started uh reading a book that i have had sitting on my like side table in my living room it was a gift that i requested but like something i've been wanting to read forever Mm -hmm. and it's um the woman i wanted to be by the fashion designer Diane von Furstenberg. It's like her memoir. You mean the woman that never ages? DVF (laughs) is a true queen. She really is. I think she's an underrated queen in our world, I will say. She, like, holy wow. Yeah. She's, (laughs) I mean, she, wasn't she invented the the wrap dress? She is the creator of the wrap dress. Just, like, iconic. Yeah. So, (laughs) she, she obviously made it big. But the wisdom that a woman in her 60s has as she reflects on her own life and, like, to tell a tale of here's my my personal memoir, my story, but mm-hmm. also, like, here's some guidance on how to live like a f- boss. Yeah. But what I appreciated so much is that she's so frank in – she was, like, super honest. Yeah. And shared some stuff that, like – I don't know, seemingly sounds controversial, but, like, it was the 70s when she was growing up, and, like, there was, like, romanticism, and, like, people hopping from lover to lover. Doing some things. And just the way that she talked about because she breaks it up into, like, love and beauty and family and that, and I'm kind of now in the, like, second half of the book where she talks about business. Oh, cool. Um, And just the way that the book is structured, everything that she does in the beginning part of it talks about, like, how certain things led her to where she was. Mm -hmm. And she was very fortunate to end up in this, like, very interesting – she grew up in Europe, and the social circles that she was involved in are – like, she ended up marrying a prince. Yeah. Some Meghan Markle stuff. (laughs) (laughs) She was in that mode, especially back in the 70s. Like, it was very fancy and, like, everybody was mixing and mingling with movie stars and musicians and models. And then as she's, like, transitioning into her fashion design career and how that, like, was thrust on her in a really interesting and unique way. And despite the fact that her husband at the time was a prince... She was like, I still want to make a name for myself. Like, I've got my own goals. So rad. And she's just, it's like her European goddess vibes were so, the way that she articulates herself is like, you sit there and you're like drinking wine with her in person. Oh, I love that. It's amazing. That's like, and that's difficult to do, mm -hmm. you know? That's great. Like, you can just tell that she, because the way that she talked about people that she was like impacted you can just tell that she's like this extroverted beautiful creature that like is enamored by other people but Mm -hmm. also like engages you in such a real way and so i think the thing that just like amazed me so much about what i've been reading so far is like looking back on her experiences in 20s in her 20s and 30s much like you were just saying and like having enough perspective to look at like the things that were so dramatic and difficult during the times that she was living them and also the way that she wove them within each of the segments of like family love Mm -hmm. and beauty and like how each of them how she brought them up in different ways of like 
during all of that, all of those things were affecting her so deeply. But the fact that now she has this perspective on like, that was important and I needed to do this. And so she talked a lot about trusting your instincts and being very open and honest. And that helped her live as freely as she did and like be able to be successful and prioritize the things that needed to be prioritized when they were happening. And as long as you're honest about what you're going through, it's much easier for people to like get on board with that. Absolutely. That's awesome. So good. I, you know what I appreciate about, I think we both really like reading about other people's lives. I think that's something that we have in common. We're learning about like, not just the way someone builds their business, but like the way they are as people. And like, I know we've both read Mindy Kaling's Mm -hmm. second book. And like, I just started reading Malala. I am Malala. And just really amazing to learn, not just like where they are, how they got there, but like their family and like what impact their family had on everything that they are. And it's really amazing to be able to learn about that and take just as much away from that piece that like seemingly like obviously has fully supported or not supported or whatever their relationship with their family was in addition to like the business building or the career making or the next steps or for, you know, building a foundation or whatever it is. But like the family aspect of that is just as amazing to read about and the history and everything as the piece that you're like, what can I learn to how Mm -hmm. to do my own thing? It just, it matters just as much because it lays the foundation. And it's really exciting to hear that she was so honest and so vulnerable to speak about like, the entirety of what yeah. she lived. And I think that's a, the important point here, too, is that everybody has a story. Yeah. So figure out how you can tell yours. Yeah. And being conscious of... She talked a lot about, too, about how she kept journals. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that, like, I know I've talked about this so much. I'm, I usually only write in mine when I'm stressed or anxious. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but I think also when you're, like, going through things and feeling good and want to celebrate things that are going well for you like it's all full circle make it happen figure out how to tell your story but also knowing like how people as they're looking back on these experiences and the perspective now that they have on like here's the lesson that actually was is within this i had to go through it to get here right just like what we're doing with this podcast absolutely it's super exciting so that's great i'll have to borrow that when you are done with it sure thing a little DVF. So good. She's so good. I follow her on Instagram and I'm just obsessed. Yeah. We'll link to all the stuff in our show notes, guys. We sure will. Queens. We sure will. So uh, what are we talking about today, Brown? Give it to me straight. Well, Sid, <laughs> we are talking politics. What? Which is like t- both for both of us terrifying territory a little yes. bit. Yeah. So I think what's interesting is like when we did the first couple months of like picking episode titles and figuring out what we were going to talk about, like it was a lot of like how to and business and like personal. But I think we're we've talked more and more about getting a little bit more comfortable about really using our voices, like exactly why we started this podcast about how to use our voices and what to do with them and where to put them and, and what kind of weight to throw behind them. And the reason we're talking about politics is because not to get into the nitty gritty, as we all know, we are not experts and we never have claimed to be. Um, But I think it's where to find the nitty gritty and how to educate yourself and how to 
learn how to use your own voice to talk about how you feel about politics and where to find the resources that you can lean on. So if you are in conversation or feel the need to speak up, you're coming from a place of like full knowledge mm-hmm. and and ready to dive in with that confidence that I think it really takes, especially in like today's political climate. Yeah, I, it's definitely a polarizing place right now. A little, just a snitch. Uh, yeah, and I think like figuring out where where you land on topics can come from what we're going to provide between like the resources we have available or we've found to to give you and to go find yourself, but also like how to get involved and what your place in all of this might be. But I think a really important piece to acknowledge is that like I think it's really important to be knowledgeable on politics. I know today, especially like in today's world, people are like, ugh, politics. That's all anybody talks about. And I don't like, I don't participate in those conversations. I don't think it's necessary, like yada, yada. But I honestly feel it's a privilege to be in a place where you don't have to think about it. And to acknowledge that and fully internalize what that means is really important because Mm -hmm. like nobody likes to talk about hard stuff or the pain and suffering or however you feel, what any, whatever anything is happening these days. But I think no matter what your feelings are, you really should be knowledgeable and you should be coming from a place of education. And, and that's just, you know, that's my personal feel. But I think really understanding that having the privilege of not needing to care is a privilege. And it is it is one that I think people really take for granted a lot of the time. And I think if we keep taking it for granted, we're going to end up in a super scary space yeah. and get steamrolled by people we didn't realize existed in this world. And I think that's that's the thing is that we're all like in separate stadiums right now yeah talking to each other about all the things that we care about mm-hmm. and so no there's no cross crossover and that's why it, like yes it seems overwhelming to be like i need to get educated about politics but coming from the angle of what actually does matter to you or if you're if you do see something or the things that you do end up clicking on mm-hmm Learn about that. Right. Understand where people are coming from on all sides and get educated because the more information you have at your fingertips allow you to stand up for the thing or at least just better aware of what matters to you. Absolutely. I think and that's a great point is that it it what we're talking about is really how to figure out what what topics come to the top because so much of what happens in our daily lives is is run by politics even if it's not something that you see to be run by politics and the more you understand we all have about to pay our taxes yeah and that's that seems to be government run <laughs> as far as i know you're paying the government <laughs> so make sure that you're paying the right person exactly exactly and i think i was listening to a podcast the Dak Shepherd podcast armchair expert and he had on John Favreau, who's one of the um, co-founders of Crooked Media, and he is one of the hosts of Pod Save America, which is one of my very favorite podcasts. He exists in this world that I, he's like a behind the scenes dude, but also like present. And you're like, I thought you were a joke, John Favreau. Right. And he's just. a boss. He's such a boss. And he, he really knows his stuff. And I think like he really said it best of. The reason that more and more people are are learning that didn't feel like they needed to learn before is that that now it's now it's bad 
for the people in their lives or the people that they love or for them themselves. Like, it's not good. And so it used to feel so far away from us. It used to feel like this elitist space that we didn't belong in. And he and his company and others like them are making this a more accessible topic and making the linkage from you to the government. Mm -hmm. Like, they can give you the pinpoints along the road of what every action affects you directly or affects someone you love. And I think that's really important to break down because then it does become real for you. And then you're like, oh, now I want to talk about it. Now I need to know about it. And what's crazy too is that stuff is like feeding and it like affects your job. It affects your benefits. It affects the company that you work for, the business or the industry that you're in. Yeah. Everything is impact. Like imagine people who work for the foreign or the foreign government, the, the federal the government, <laughs> the, the uh, federal government and their job is on the line because some budget's being cut. Something's That's happening. insane. Yeah. So, so yeah, lots <laughs> to get into. Very important topic. And again, we're not the experts, but we can help you find the experts and find like reputable sources too. So what we're going to talk about today resources, how to get informed, local and national levels, how to get involved, because if you're not a protest person, you don't have to be. Um, And then some important dates to keep track of, because we've got the midterms coming up in November, and um, we need to show out a little bit, if if you know what I mean. And uh, a reminder to vote, because voting is (laughs) important. So uh, let's speak it, Queens. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's get into it, Said What? How do we start? Where do we begin? All right. So there's just there's just a lot. There's just a lot. And I think what is scary these days is if you've been following if you've been following the news, there have been like some hackages and some things and I think people are not trusting of the media right now, which is very sad because they are our source of information and they are reputable and we can trust them, but like we have been sh- shook in our confidence in them. And so what I want to remind is that like, what we're going to talk about is not always like our viewpoints. Um, some of them are, some of them aren't, but I think what we're looking for when it comes to where we find our information, you want reputable outlets that are trusted and verified. They're talking truth. They are like getting their information based in fact. (laughs) Unbiased opinions. Yes, exactly. Um, And I think one of the things I think about when it comes to like where I go for information is who is sharing it? Are they former politicians? Do they work in politics? Have they been reporting on politics for quite some time? Where are their sources coming from? And are they opinion-based, like you said, or are they fact-based? And that requires some work on our end as the reader and as the like person consuming all of this information. Um, but all of those kind of come into play when you're looking at what is going to inform your way of thinking based on the facts that they have available. Um, so we looked at like a few different um, versions of how people kind of consume their news. We looked at podcasts, online slash print sources, and social media. So to get started. Yeah, just just a few. No big deal. <laughs> this will be like our first six hour podcast. <laughs> but like based on the things that are relevant and accessible to us on a day to day, it, this is. I think this is important because there's ways to digest this stuff in like quick snippets. Yes, or more long form stuff, depending on your level of interest in this particular topic. Yes. So 
We found, or I found, and I think Brianna saw some that she agreed with. I agreed, yes. (laughs) So um, basically what I was looking for is like, what are great political podcasts? Like if you're going to, if this is what you're consuming in the podcast form, like where should we go? What should we be looking for? So there are 10 um, that have landed on like the top 10 list for Business Insider and Pod Save America is on there. And I'm a huge advocate for this. They are left leaning, but they know their stuff. I mean, John Favreau was a speech writer, writer for Obama and he worked in politics before that for the Kerry campaign. I know, like, shock. I was just like, so cool, so cool. And you realize not just, like, speech writing is not just, like, you know, (laughs) finding fancy clips and phrases that will, like, live long after that person has passed. But he made a great point about talking about what his role was as a speechwriter was getting to know Obama in such a way that he knew his voice well enough to make everything that he wrote sound authentic. If that's a skill that needs to be, you know, shouted out a little bit more. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. And it's really, I mean, it's so much pressure. It is so much pressure. And I loved what he said. So that same podcast with Dak Shepard, he talked about his his world and doing this work with... um, with Obama, and he's like, my only advice when someone is hiring a speechwriter always is that you need to let them be part of your inner circle. They can't be someone who like lives on the sidelines and just gets like assignments thrown at them from a distance. They really need to be by your side because if they're going to write something that mm-hmm. is going to move people in your voice, they need to know your voice. And I just thought that that was ob- so obvious, but but probably so lacking in this in this space. So Positive America, they do their homework. They know their stuff. They've lived in politics. So there's like a, a probably like six podcasts that live under the crooked media umbrella pod save america is just one of them but they kind of cover they're like the not serious but they do interviews with um different different people that are part of the political political world from like senators congress people like all across the board people that are running all of it so that's one of the the favorites i have from that list and the other one is politics podcast from 538 theirs is like that one stood out to me because theirs is super analytical when it comes to numbers like there is no room for error for them um because they're looking at numbers all the time and and telling you what the numbers mean and how they kind of impact your life and why they're significant um but we'll share that list so if there are others on there that you either listen to or you know about or you are just looking for reputable um, political podcasts, we've got that list for you. Yeah, I one of the things I miss about my life is my morning commute because it's like a great way to just like casually start your day. day. Um, But that's when I used to listen to NPR in the news. And so I didn't realize like even though I listened to podcasts in this time frame, um, I didn't realize necessarily that there were politics or like news related podcasts out there because mine were all like special interests yeah in my subscribe feed <laughs> and um a friend told me about up first which is npr's 12 minute morning update and they cover like the latest news it's a daily thing that comes through um i believe just monday through friday yeah, yeah. um and so they cover international and national news and awesome. do kind of like quick snippets so you're if there's anything that you want to dive into more, you can go into their full coverage on their website, which is great. But I think um, in terms of things that are beneficial, it's just like consuming media that has that interest level of like this 
is something that I can consume while I'm making my coffee right. in the morning. Um, and it's quick and easy. And then if you need more, you can get more. Um, but I think when it comes to that kind of thing, like I'm not a newspaper reader. Right. And so this is the equivalent of that. Absolutely. And it's like you said, it's you can do other stuff while doing it. And I think this is good because I guess people's like main comment around politics is like there's too much of it I don't want to know I'm over it or at least that I've heard from people that couldn't be less interested but this is like a way to be informed like that 12 minutes is a a, a, probably somewhat easily digested and you can move on with your day but you at least know what's going on and I think at the end of the day if you are not an active person in politics that is your choice but I think being informed and involved in that way is really important and it doesn't have to consume your day like it doesn't have to if you want to read like celebrity highlights for the rest of your day fine but I think like something like up first is a way that if you work in a space that you should be on top of if you're having conversations with people that are on top of it you should be on top of it too but also just to be well informed as a person walking this earth it's really important so like do what you will with the rest of your day but 12 minutes to take on, to learn about what's happening in the world around you. Not a huge commitment. No. Not a huge commitment. Yeah. And for, like, for Crooked Media, they have Pod Save America that, like, has to do with our national politics, but they have Pod Save the World that has to do with world news. They have Pod Save the People that has to do with social justice. Like, you've got a little bit of everything, and they all kind of intersect at some point um, when it comes to politics. Uh, but I do think, like, figuring out what you're what your top priorities are in your world is is important too. I agree. What about online? So obviously we mentioned that you can like hop onto NPR and uh, look at their website for news. You sure can. You sure can. So I think like this one I felt like was important to include because print isn't dead despite what some people may think. Um, And all of these news outlets exist on the internet. So it's like their print but they're also you can everything that you online. find on in the like newsstand is exactly what exists online. Exactly. And I will say it's so funny. So I was on vacation with my whole family and I haven't lived at home for some time now. So I'm not really familiar with my parents' morning routine. And I noticed that my dad, he was a newspaper guy, like newspaper all the way, all the time. Sundays, he got the big, the big Wall Street Journal. Is that the one that was like the big thick guy on Sundays? Oh, yeah. Every Sunday. And then, so I saw him sitting at the table with his coffee and he had his iPad and he was reading what looked like a magazine on, like it was actually, it wasn't like what looks like when you're scrolling through a website, it looked like an actual uh, newspaper (laughs) on his iPad. And I was like, you know what, like whatever works, right? Like this is how my parents, my family digests their news and gets their news. And I think it's awesome that you are able to find it even in the form that you want it just on like a different device or on a device at all. And so I thought that was really great. But I love that you say my parents, I also consume full content news. When I read things, I read it on my iPad. (laughs) Yeah. See, I, I think I feel like I do my phone or I do my like work desktop. Because I like an I like a big screen mm-hmm. when I'm looking at it when I'm looking at articles. So these are kind of the top ten most reputable news outlets. These are super familiar probably because we've had them for a very long time. But I think what makes them different is that, and we'll share the full list. But like some are New York Times, Washington Post, The New Yorker, Politico, The Atlantic. But 
and there are others, but I think what makes them reputable is that they never compromise on um, like newsworthiness and where they're getting their sources from. So you're not going to get, you get op-eds obviously, but like you're not going to get an opinion piece as like what they're talking about when it comes to politics. As like daily news. (laughs) Exactly. Like their, their sources are reputable. They have done their homework. If there are any corrections, they're done instantly. Like, the research, I mean, I guess if you could say anything, the Harvey Weinstein piece that came out was so long in the making. Like, it wasn't just a drop on, like, I got this tip and let's, let's release it. It mm-hmm. was months and months of evidence finding and reputable sources and trustworthiness between the reporter and the people that were feeding the reporter their news. And I think that there is a level of respect that deserves to be talked about there and that there's a reason that these are still the most reputable news outlets is because they do their freaking homework. Yeah. And if you want like a glimpse into what that experience actually is like, I find I found that I think the movie was called All the President's Men. Mm. With uh, it was a story about uh, Watergate and how Bernstein and Woodward were breaking down the story, all the things, and the amount that went into finding people, finding another person, interviewing this person, showing up at someone's house, phone calls, nonstop effort that went into the uncovering of this insane, yeah, crazy scenario, yeah, that is playing out. So similarly. (laughs) How do we get it? But I feel like that movie also provides, like, a really good visual of, like, what it actually takes for good journalists to put together a story, especially of the magnitude similar to, like, what happened with Harvey Weinstein. Right. There is no stone uncovered. Right, right. And I think that that is – and I think, like, covering that is important just to say, like – the people that were doing it before are still doing it now and we we trust the media we put our trust in them because they're doing the work to tell us what we need to know about what's happening with this administration or anything any branch of politics like they're the ones doing the work to get us what we need mm-hmm. so we need to trust them and we need to support them and and those like mainstays that were there before are still there now yeah. um and like you said, you can find all of those online. <laughs> so um, one of the things that I use, if you are one to read news on your phone or iPad or tablet or whatever, there are news apps that exist. Um, Feedly is one that I use on my phone. Feedly. Um, but also just the generic news app with like the recent updates. A lot of people say that it's been improved. I didn't use it before, and I just started using it. But you have you can pick... Um, which outlets you want to follow and it will give you the highlights and you can kind of scroll through on a daily basis um, to see what's the latest news. You can set notifications if that's something that is up your alley. Not mine because I do not want... I was getting for a while, I was like, why do I keep getting news alerts from the New York Times? It's like, oh, I said that. Or somebody said it for me. Like, oh, I I chose to do that. I know. Um, But it's that's a great way to digest these things on a mobile setting, but also cater it to the things that you are most interested in. Mm -hmm. So, like, along with my New York Times articles, I'm also getting updates from... Bon Appetit. Food Network and Bon Appetit. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. I know you so But that's the beauty of 
um, the way that technology works is that it's really great and comes in handy, especially for people who are taking the subway or the train or the bus to commute to work. Um, I personally am more of a podcast person, so Mm -hmm. I was like previous section. But this is great because you can read these things. I usually end up doing my reading consumption on the weekends when Mm -hmm. I have morning downtime. Yeah, which is great. Which is great. I also think it's important to consider consuming news from the opposing parties, whatever side you're on, um, so that you can remain informed about how they talk about issues. Um, I think that that ends up helping you better address the conversations that you may come up against in the future and just have an understanding of like, here's what your beliefs are, here's what you value, or here's how you talk about those things so that you can get on their level. Right, right. Um, It's definitely something that is needs to like cross the levels of where we are right now because like without getting into too much of like our own feelings about (laughs) things um but the way that what happened in 2016 happened was truly was it 2016 it was okay i'm like like what how, year are we? Yeah. How long, how long has, has it how been? How long has it been? <laughs> um, but what ended up happening was like an emergence of these people and these these ideas and not having an understanding of where this is coming from and then realizing there's this whole like undercurrent of people who stand behind this so wholeheartedly and knowing like, okay, we need to maybe take a different perspective like we thought we as progressives we were leading the charge with right. you know kicking things off with obama but the reality is that it's so polarized now that we have to be able to have conversations with people without it turning into a battle right right and i think it's like and i totally agree with that because i i think it is just if you at least can see or <laughs> It's really hard for me to do this a lot of the time. But, like, to try to understand why someone feels the way that they do and then hopefully educate them on what is the actual that is happening or what they're not thinking about or what I'm not thinking about. Mm -hmm. Like, I do – I totally agree that it is very important to at least have a a full understanding of the why – and then you can use facts to combat people's whys. <laughs> and I and I think that's appropriate, and I'll stand behind that. I did read a great article from a guy. He wrote an op-ed. Um, he's, he is the American farmer, in quotes. And he's like, I voted for our current president, and I fully regret it because everything that was promised is garbage and like it was a really great piece where you're where where you got to see and not just because like the outcome was something that I was like yes go go us but it was a moment where you're like he had a a full reason to want to vote for someone who I consider an absolute monster and and you can see that like he did a full um a full piece on like what his reasoning was and why and and all of those things and then why he ultimately has decided that this is not the administration he wants to continue supporting but i thought that is exactly what you're talking about about how to understand where someone is coming from and then like just up one side and down the other with actual facts and then just say like this is why you're wrong <laughs> the other day. no personal no one's wrong personal feelings <laughs> um so talking about the local level, I think is, and we'll talk about this later too, but local level is just, it's right there. It's at your front door. It is where you can start a process. And 
I think when you look at the national level, things feel really big and people scream into the Twitter void for days on end and nothing happens. Um, Use that energy at your local level if you are able to. I think as far as like where to get reputable news from at that local level, like your local NPR station, amazing. Um, City-based like newspapers and their online outlet, again, like reputable, fact-based, talking about things that matter right there at home so that's, i agree that's how i feel getting informed yes um i also feel like this is like a throwback into the uh time machine <laughs> but maybe watch your local news at night what there have been a couple moments where i have watched the local news just like per chance like, <laughs> i'm like eating dinner but don't want to start a full episode of something on netflix and i'm like oh let me just like see what's on tv and then it ends up being really knowledgeable and helpful and like takeaways that i can bring i'm like oh this is like a great follow-on to what i listened to this morning mm-hmm. on up first and where we're going from here it's <laughs> great and it is and it is again like something yeah you can just talk about with the people around you because there's a lot of people still watching that i mean like your traditional media it's not it's still there exists for a reason (laughs) and people still watch it there's still a giant portion of the population and also like people within our own demographic and generation that still do the same yeah it's not going away but i think there's so many different ways for us to consume media in this way but like follow your local news station on Facebook yeah. or on Instagram. And you build a trust with them too. Yeah. I think because they're at home, you they're you might like see them out at dinner or like you know that they're gonna be at like the festival that you're going to that weekend or they're emceeing a local charity event. Like you love me some Donnell Hart. Seriously, like the best. I was at oh gosh, now I'm gonna totally blank on it. It doesn't matter now. But there was a lot of local um, TV and um, radio folks at an event I was at. They were all like kind of like co emceeing And it was very cool because you're just like, they are delivering me my news in the evening, but they're also face- FaceTiming with us in the community all mm-hmm. the time. And they're getting to know and understand like what's actually happening here and, and what their role is in all of that beyond just reporting the news, but how they are involved in everything that happens in the in the community. So I'm a fan. Uh, the other thing we've talked about a thousand times, but I will forever be supportive of, is the skim. Hands down fave. Go the skim. So in addition to their newsletter that comes to my inbox every single day, they have these great guides, and they have guides for everything. Like, I actually looked at all the guides that they have on their website, and we'll have, we have a link to it. But it is any of the subjects that they cover in the newsletter, they generally have, like, a more of a deep dive guide into it. And I thought there would be one for, like, just general politics, but because they're smarter than I am most days, they've done breakdowns of everything that's actually covered within, like, the politics world. So breakdowns of, like, major happenings or major cases or major past bills or anything like that that are, are, like, kind of facing our, um, our community today, they have done guides for it. So, like, how to understand, like, who the power players are, what's at stake, like, they kind of cover all of that and I think um, I think I think they have fully made a name for themselves uh, because they are super trusted because they're they are unbiased and I think 
as much as sometimes it feels like they wouldn't be because of maybe who their demographic is, they deliver facts and they deliver um, like honest what's actually happening in the world and not just like how they maybe feel about it. And I think that distinction is really important to make. And they break down all the dates and stuff, but they also do interviews with candidates around election season. And I think that's really important because they have featured people that I'm like really not a fan of, like people that I'm like, why did you do that to me? But they do it because that's their job. That's what they've considered their role to be in our lives at this point is to deliver the news and deliver it in a way that is um, a way we want to see it. So even if they are featuring a candidate that I could not like even get on board with a little bit, it's important for them to be there. Because again, like you said, seeing the opposing side is really important and hearing what that candidate has to say is an important way to educate yourself. Yeah, I think what they do really well, too, is, like, I know that I'm not, like, the ultimate. If, if someone was like, hey, Brianna, let's have a debate right now, I'd be like, I don't thank you. I'd rather jump in a pool of sharks. Yeah. Um, because I'm not totally educated on everything. I care about the things that I care about, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. But those things matter to me. What I like about this is that they're approachable and informative, and make me feel like they do it so well in a sense of like knowing their demographic where it's like we know that this is scary and overwhelming but here's how we can make it easy for you just to feel confident in this and in a way that's reasonable for you to do it Mm -hmm. and i love because i also have this element of like sometimes i feel dumb for asking a question or like what does that mean right um especially in the politics space yeah they there's so many technical terms that i'm like i don't know means and they do such a good job breaking down just here's a definition of what this is and what this means and what this means how this impacts you right and so that i find really helpful so subscribe we are huge fans of the skim i think i've shared my uh what is it my referral referral link yeah i will share that again because you know what I'm three away, man. I'm, I want to be a skin ambassador so bad. Let's get Sid there, guys. <laughs> I only need three, you guys. Whoever wants to be a skin ambassador with me, just just use the link. Um, so social media. This one gets a little tricky when it comes to reputable sources. And the reality is everything that we've mentioned above all has some kind of social presence. Exactly. So maybe just start there just do that i think that's your baseline (laughs) um i also really like now this news Mm -hmm. i think because they utilize the video situation really well and they're either like a series of memes that are funny with like text at the bottom talking about what's going on quick hitting content yes or it is actual footage of what's going on which like either one keeps me fully glued to the screen um I think sometimes, like, it can feel like headlines are just, like, trying to get clicks or whatever it is. But sometimes what I like about it is so much of what they're talking about in the full article is right there in... Well, for Twitter, at least. It's right there in the tweet. Um, But I think, you know, if you're looking at the same sources that we talked about above, like, you know that's reputable and everything. If you're looking outside of that space, like, you want to see who's actually cited in the article, what are their credentials... Um, why have that? Why have they been picked to like either report on or comment on what's happening? Um, and that will kind of help you figure out like is this 
trustworthy? Is this clickbait? Like, is this just to like grab my attention? Um, And really like be cognizant that there's a lot out there that is like actual garbage and is just clickbait to get people either thinking a certain way or literally just to get people to click on the site and like all the ad stuff and, and, and all that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, there's so many things that is accessible on social media. It's just, it's important to be informed and know who, again, who are the reputable ones, as we mentioned before, and pay attention to where you're getting your information. Mm -hmm. And it's not like whatever, some crazy like news dot question mark dot like IRG. You're like, I don't know what weird website this is. What Who's giving this to me? And the ones you can usually trust are like the dot govs, the dot edu. Dot org. Yes. Like those are the ones that you can generally. And obviously all of the, all the ones we talked about are dot coms, but like they're also, they're reputable news source. Legitimate news (laughs) platforms. So the next one is a little bit of a parallel, but for people who may not necessarily like to consume news, this might be an option to consider. Mm -hmm. Um, Doing your research and thinking about who are your actual local and like state politicians that you're are repping you in the world um and cnn had a really great article about like where to dive into this and how to find these people um but a few that i i pulled out is that like i'm just always all about starting at the local level Mm -hmm. and starting with making change in your own neighborhood. So getting informed um, and supporting and voting for the people who you stand behind in your actual local community is really important, but you have to first know who those people are. Right. So hitting up uh, your county government uh, website, which I think is very important. Mm -hmm. Um, I think going to the state level as well, um, house.gov has find your representatives website, Um, And like a literal research of like, put in your zip code and find out. And it's like, truthfully, I've never done this before in my life. So I was even like, okay, I have some homework. Right. Um, And then commoncause.org also has a lot of great resources for you to find people within your community um, that actually have an impact and are helping make policy changes. So um, if you're actually looking to figure out what matters to you, like what I was talking about before of like, what are the causes that I stand behind and who are the people that are actually standing up for these things in the place that they do this in D.C. Right. (laughs) Very (laughs) important. The big old wet building. Yes. Um, But I loved a tip that we had um, in an earlier conversation. I think this was like kind of in passing as one of our updates. Mm. Um, But saving your senator and House of Representatives phone numbers in your phone. Super quick and easy. (laughs) So when a bill or policy issue comes up, you can call and voice your point of view and when that actually matters the most. And there was a really great tweet thread that the CNN article linked to. So again, this will be in our show notes. Um, But phone call, they said that phone calls actually matter most because they have to answer you. Mm -hmm. Um, Letters, emails, tweets often go on read because it comes in in such high volume. So if you actually want to have a conversation with someone, you need to pick up the phone because someone is going to answer you. You may not necessarily get like your rep on the phone. But you'll get their person. But you'll get people who are working within the organization, the group, the 
the environment where these things are being talked about. Right. And they can't ignore you. They have to answer those phone calls. <laughs> um, so start there. And then also showing up to town halls is how you actually get in front of your representative. And that, these are things I didn't know until I read that article. Right. And I think that that's like, for me, this is a, an important conversation to have too because it's not just about me being informed and saying like, oh, I read the news or I listen to NPR up first. And I, I've done my part. <laughs> doing what I can. This is something that from a local perspective of like actually figuring out who are the people in your community that are doing things and in the political landscape that you can have a better understanding of and know what they stand for and make smart choices when you do go to the polls down the road. And I think that's a really important distinction to make is that like we elect these people you either participate in that or you don't and you have every ability for the most part unfortunately we're still working on that for some people but um to be part of that process and it is it is the uh a really important right that we have and use it because like the reason one thing leads up to the next thing that leads all the way up to the White House is because of the people at the local level. Like everything feeds the next thing. So if you're not participating at the local level, but you're only participating at the national level, like you've missed a step. And and it's not like what you're doing is wrong, but like there's another step you can take. There's another action you can take. And um, voting is a really powerful uh, right that we have a really powerful privilege that a lot of people unfortunately don't have um, for one reason or the next. So if you have it, freaking use it. Yeah. Like that, that like we get to put people in office, and, and that's important. I think the other thing to think about too is that like you can actually walk up to someone in your local community and be like, "Hello, <laughs> I would let me shake your hand. Let's have a conversation. Here are the things I'm worried about," because as their constituent. It is their prerogative to know what matters to you. Mm -hmm. And so if you really are thinking about, like, how do I make an impact? Know who the people are in your community because you can actually see them face-to-face and have conversations and or at least know what the heck is going on. Absolutely. By having those conversations or at least, like, reading up on what they're doing. Or know who's even in, like, truth be told. Not totally sure. <laughs> and that is why we are going to do our homework. How to get involved. <laughs> That's such a nice lead into uh, the second step here. Yeah. Okay, so we've done our homework. We know who our people are. We've taken our steps. So I think like that showing up to town halls is a great great way to get involved. And there are many, many others. So a a number of episodes ago, we talked about a Shine article um, that talked about alternatives to in-person protests. I think that there is, I was listening to um, a podcast called Keep It, which is like all like just all pop culture all the time. So a lot of my favorite things. And Kara Brown, who's one of the co-hosts on that podcast, was talking about how when she went to one of the marches that happened in LA that were happening across the country, um, she felt like she had to post that she was at the protest so people wouldn't sass her for not going to the protest. So like it became this weird thing where it was like, you're doing something that is good, but you also have to like, show that you're actually doing it for not even for likes but just so you wouldn't get criticized for not being there. literal social proof 
Exactly. And like she was like, I think my my community wanted to see me there and I wanted to be there, obviously. But I thought it was this interesting place that we're at where like, unless you're there, then you're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And that was a it was a great thing to say, because I think it speaks perfectly to this article where like that is just not true. Not everybody has the access to get to protests, has the ability to be around that many people at one time. Um, And I think acknowledging that should hopefully help us understand why people might choose to not go to a protest. And truth be told, like at the end of the day, what happens before and after the protest is really what contributes to change in addition to the protests. Like if you go and then you walk away and you're done, then then you've shown up and that's important, but like you need to take action after that. Do the work. Exactly. So this showed this article really talked about other ways in addition to protesting that you could be um, participating in um, in politics in your community. Call your like exactly what we talked about: calling representatives, signing petitions, educate yourself, be the person in the room who knows what they're talking about, so you can talk to the person next to you who might not, or who has questions that you can help answer. Um, and or know what questions to ask. Yes, that exactly. That's such a great point. Such a great point. Um, I forgot about this one and I really like it. It says, uh, pick up the digital pen and call out harassment online by reporting behavior that you see on different social media outlets. I think that's a really underutilized tool that we have. I've actually been seeing this a lot more and have been surprised by it, but also like, girl, go. Yeah, man. I, I reported someone because I was like, this is hate speech. This is not okay on my feed. And I'm going to let Twitter know about it. Nice. And I think you like that. Flag that content. Exactly. Like that exists for a reason. Um, and so I I think that's a really important one that kind of goes. Because we kind of like for me, I scroll. Like, you know, like I'm scrolling. I see some stuff that I want to see. I see some stuff that I don't want to see. But like, I'm like, what can I really do about this? But like when you flag something they have to go look at it. And if enough people flag it, they have to then do something else about it. Mm -hmm. And so you have power there. Um, Another one that I really like is the Take Action page on Crooked.com, that Crooked Media uh, company that I was talking about earlier. They talk about a lot of nonprofits that do align with Crooked Media's mission, um, but it's ways to get involved. So they've they've created a space that you can go and then find what matters to you, like you talked about with um, the cause, the commoncause.org. It's probably very similar, mm-hmm. like looking for something that you can get on board with, and then you can figure out what they need. Sometimes, sometimes it's not donations. Sometimes they are covered. They and I know literally that- need like physical humans or like support in another avenue. Exactly. And I mean, not to say that it's it's a lot of the time it's donations so don't get me wrong but i think sometimes we forget that like bodies in a space in the form of like showing up to a community kitchen or showing up to um hand out something somewhere is also a very important uh place to be um so yeah i think that's uh that take action page i just always link to it because i think it's it's um a huge a huge tool that we can use yeah, I really love the idea of volunteering for your local polling place or mm-hmm. to help register voters. And those are ways that you can give back in a way that's like, I can't, I can't necessarily like stand up there and like write a speech or like say something. Can't be John Favs. But I can show up and encourage people to vote and explain why it's valuable for our country or at least just like help people be like, hey, 
we're doing a ride share. We're all going to vote together. Yep. Join me. Classic uh, Modern Family episode when Claire Dunphy was running for small office and Phil Dunphy was there with the van to pick up old people. Love bring, it. Bring them to the polls. Bring them to the polls. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things that is a really, that is, that is one of the things that inhibits people from voting is not having a way to get there. Or I was listening to another podcast that was talking about like volunteering to have like a babysitting or pay for mm-hmm. someone's babysitter so they can go and, and vote that day. Like whatever you can do, like I, I really think that the phrase not not all heroes wear capes is like a very it's real so thing. Real. <laughs> and like if you can be the reason someone gets to their polling place, that's so impactful. That's so impactful because it means that you care that they're there. And again, like even if I even if you don't agree with their viewpoints, like voting matters. Voting is a right. Voting matters. So if you can help someone get there, help them get there. Bottom line. <laughs> There you go. Um, I do really like this one that you talked about, about professional skills, like what you can use, like utilize in your own, from your own like toolbox. Yeah. Take action from home. Yes. Um, What are your professional skills and how can you give those skills to an organization that you support? Um, Whether it's helping to write newsletters or setting up events, designing creative to support community projects. These are things that, I think come into play in a lot of different ways where you're just not thinking outside the realm. You're like, the only way I can get involved, it's like a narrow focus, but the reality is they need these things and they need people to help support these things. And a lot of times it's pro bono work or like, maybe you can get paid. I don't know. Yeah. But if you do have skills and you care enough to to step up and support, this is a really great way for you to do it without feeling like this is something, this is like a, a space that I live in. I'm like all about approaching supporting my political party from an introverted standpoint. <laughs> and in a way that is just as important. Yes. For sure. Um, the other thing too that I think about often is at least starting with the point of picking one to three things that matter most to you Mm -hmm. and then getting super savvy on those topics and then doing the research to find within your community nonprofits or community organizers that you can connect with and attend a meeting to see if like it's even something that you want to explore so a little bit of the counter of like just figuring out who's in your community and who can you talk to um, because we all love a friend recommendation. We sure do. And we all know someone who's involved. Somewhere. Some, like, we have a, for every person here has a friend that fits the bill of, like, oh, yeah, she's my political friend. Yeah. She knows what's up. Yeah. Find her. Have a conversation with her. That's where you come equipped. You're like, I've got my clipboard <laughs> of all the questions <laughs> that I are unanswered. Help me figure them out. Because they're in it. Yeah. And they know they can get you those next steps of oh, here, if this is of interest to you, I know someone. Right. Here, talk to this person. Or, like, follow this group on social media and see when their next meeting is. Such a good idea. All great stuff to work with. It has. So now we've come to the portion of the episode where we talk about the important info to have. In your pocket. Mark your calendars. Yes. Make it happen. Exactly. So part of the reason we wanted to do this again was because we've got midterms coming up in November. So like that was kind of the the reasoning behind this. And then it kind of ballooned into being like, 
all these amazing ways to either get involved or get informed and all these things. But at the core, we wanted to talk about, okay, midterm elections, they're on November 6th, 2018. It is a Tuesday. It is also my friend Tim's birthday. Oh, hey, Tim. Happy (laughs) future birthday. Happy future birthday. So um, mark your calendars. Really important. I hope one day we get to a point where voting days are a holiday. Um, Yeah. But, but your employee is, or employer is basically required to let you go let if you you're go. like, I'm going to vote. And I should check on when the polls are open and closed. I think they Usually, don't close till 9. Yeah, I think they're 9 to 9. Yeah. So, um, oh, no, I think they're earlier than 9. I know that one time you tried to get there before 9 and they weren't open yet, I think, once. But um, Yeah, that was when I went to vote in the primaries. Yes. So I think they're open earlier. I th- think but i'm not sure we could be wrong but i know they don't close until at least 9 p.m if not later and we live in new york state so i don't know if other states work differently but i just got my voter info in the mail um and so another date to mark in your calendars which is earlier is the primary elections is september 13th Mm -hmm. and so an important distinction here is that only enrolled members of a party may vote uh for the nominating party candidates, mm-hmm. um, and they have to basically be currently registered in that political party. Mm-hmm. So just keep in mind if you're like an independent or whatever, not Koch, <laughs> whatever for the for the primary <laughs> elections. Good to know. But I will be there. Find me. Um, but there's this is important too because there's so many offices that are like open to be elected. Obviously, in my case, this is all like New York State and rochester new york related (laughs) specifically rochester new york but things to consider and people to research like it doesn't just it isn't just senators and house of representatives and your governor it's additionally like your state supreme court and maybe some uh family court judges Mm -hmm. perhaps additionally some local offices that you've never heard of that you should probably research that you need to know about and then city specific judges and school commissioners you can find all of this information on your county website, county government website. And I think that's super important, at least to know, like, A, yes, vote. But it doesn't matter to if you're going to vote and just, like, circling the people that you think are a good fit because you like their names. Right. Or they're in your party. Know what these people actually stand for and are supporting and the policies that they are interested in. This is a big deal. It is. It very much is. Um, Again, another date we probably should have shared before the November 6th date. To be eligible to vote, you have to have your voter registration to the Board of Elections postmarked no later than October 12th and to the board by October 17th. So you have... Make it happen, guys. Yeah. Like, so those, So remembering all these dates is important. It feels like a lot. But, like, it's not just the November 6th date you need to know. But, like, if you're not registered to vote, um, we shared a link uh, from USA.gov that link will link right to the how, how to vote and how to register to vote um, and where and all that kind of information. You can, like, find it pretty easily through that one page based on, like, where you live and all of that kind of stuff. But those dates are important because, if obviously, if you're not registered to vote, you, you can't, can't vote. <laughs> so do it. I loved that in my social studies class when I turned 18, they gave us the option to take a register to vote fill-out card. Nice. And so I hopped right on the political train 
So young. When the right was given to me. And that's important. I think, like, we don't talk about that enough. Like, we don't talk about, like, I mean, I think David Hogg is one of the students from Parkland who has been incredibly vocal and, like, hugely education-based for, like, people in his age range. He just turned 18, and he is not holding back on how he feels about getting kids to vote and getting kids registered to vote and how to educate people that are 18 to like 24 in all of in, in all of this. Um, and I think that's really important. So like if you're 18, firstly, thank you for listening to this podcast. Secondly, this some serious knowledge for you. <laughs> yes, but go vote, go register to vote. Um, and again, like we'll share that link, even if you're not 18, even if you're well over 18, but you're just like getting into this and you're now realizing how much your vote matters and how much being involved or at least knowledgeable on this stuff matters. That's okay. I, I want to make, make sure like there is no shame in whatever you've done in the past. I think that you, people learn on like a continuous basis and if you've never voted before and you're 50 fine but now is your time and and it's time to show up so i'm 30 and i have homework to do from the research that we've done in this episode so same same for sure so it's important i think this episode really spoke really loudly to both of us like unbeknownst to us until we started working on it (laughs) but i think that this is one of the most important topics that we can talk about right now is the news where to find it how to follow it how to get involved being educated is empowering it sure is it sure is shall we break let's break Feeling like a queen yet? Find us on Instagram and Twitter at queen underscore speaking and tell us all about it. Find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See you next week.